2: plus. I'm bigger again Oh, we both are.
0: Good evening and welcome to episode five of Sugar and Silk, the unique boxing analysis show on Ace Podcast Nation, starring myself, Ben Doughty, and
1: myself, Michael, Silk
0: do you know what we call it, sugar and silk, Michael? But I'm increasingly feeling we might have to rename it little and large because once again, there's you twelve times the size of God on your PC, and <laughs> the, your little sidekick on my phone. Um,
1: you know what happened, Ben? I, I mean, when we first got on, I was very small. Then all of a sudden, I think my either my head grew really big. As I have an inflatable head, or somebody up there likes me.
0: I think we're just going to have to run with this as our gimmick since we're obviously so clearly free of talent or kind of relevant, um, any other re- relevant sort of recommendable. Uh, you said we.
1: Are you speaking French or do um, you both of us?
0: Th- that, that is another talent I have amongst <laughs> many, yeah. But um, t- Talking about the current boxing scene and the fight yeah, game's man. recent rumblings, um, I know you didn't catch it, but Sonny Edwards made the third defence of his IBF flyweight title on yeah. Friday night. Um, In in Sheffield, uh, UK. And uh, I don't know if you've seen Sonny at all yet, Michael, but honestly, without reaching for superlatives, you know, too disingenuously, Mm -hmm. he's kind of like a... Just by the way, I I just saw Peter McDonough try to phone me then. Peter McDonough's an ex-fighter, ex-Irish champion. He phones me about 16 times a day. And he's gonna do that a couple of times. So if it cuts, we have to go. That's another problem with doing it on the phone instead of the PC, right? You, yeah, you say exactly. Today, which is intrinsically wrong. And Peter McDonough keeps trying to call you, Sonny Edwards. You need to look at him, Silk, because he is really special in terms of. He's not a huge puncher, and I don't think he will claim to be. But he is, he's ambidextrous in his kind of defense yeah. and attack.
1: Can I say he's, something, Ben? How do you think? How is a person? How is a person not able to punch? like how is a person not able to hit hard enough to knock somebody down i I, that's always been a difficult concept for me to
0: yeah and people talk about you know punches a lot of the old schoolers say that punches are born they're not made i think there is an element of genetics and natural ability in it but other trainers all say i can improve any fighter's power if you just give me three weeks with him and obviously it must come down right to a degree to to technique and leverage and certain aspects Mm But I don't know, Michael, there are guys who don't seem to, you know, I mean, I don't like the phrase feather fisted or that, you know, the old axiom that he couldn't crack an egg because yeah. it tends to be used a lot by the, you know, armchair guys as well. They latch onto it and you feel like saying, well, you know, if you took out like one kind of stiff jab off yeah. a decent weight, you'd be yeah. in all kinds of problems.
1: Do you remember, but, um, the, do you remember the fight um, Ray, Ray Mancini versus uh, Art Frias and Arturo Frias was not seen as a puncher at all. And he came out the first round, and he really rocked Mancini's world. Obviously, Mancini took over and knocked him out. I think it was the second or third round, something like that.
0: No, the first round, Michael. It was literally the wildest, one of the wildest three minutes. It was fights. a first round knockout. It, it was, but it was one of those crazy one round wars when you. Yeah. Got, it's one of the most competitive one round KOs in history.
1: <laughs> that was that was an amazing fight. I couldn't believe it. I it was like, I was looking at Frias, and I said, "This guy looks like Dustin Hoffman." And the, other, and the other time, and then Mancini came out, and he just clashed. All of a sudden, he had Mancini hurt. And I was like, this is a man who had less than, like, 25% KO power. And it's yeah. always made me, from that point forward, always look very interestingly at, like, punching power and what makes it. And I know there are things like – and I'm sorry, I don't want to deviate uh, off, off your. We'll off get your back to Sonny. It's too long. but We'll get back to Sunny. But, like, it's the weight of the hand. and and, um and it's the speed of the punch you know weight plus speed equals power some people aren't punching they disconnected the joints you know what I mean and so when you punch in sections like I know you can't really see it on my screen but when you punch with sections like if you lift your elbow up when you punch you're not getting your body behind your behind you're not getting the body weight behind your punch
0: I could talk to you about some theories I've heard over the years Mm -hmm. particularly with trainers and their applications for power Manny Stewart said he believed it was about clenching your fist right on impact right at the last moment okay mm-hmm. there's a, there's a trainer there's a trainer in London called Alec Wilkie who's been around a lot of years and he says he always advocates punching down on the target he said if you're punching down even with a, like a jab but definitely but definitely with the rear hand with the, with the straight yeah. right hand as you you punch down on the target you have more impact you you're shaking your head
1: yeah i mean i th- i think one of the most important points is distance range and knowing where you can get maximum power at what point in the extension of your arm, you're hitting maximum. So if you're catching them directly at the end of the punch, like directly at the end, you're you're stinging them good, but you're not necessarily like punching. If you hit them halfway or let's say three quarters of the way through, you're punching through the target and that's going to definitely give you punching power. Uh, Also the, the part of the fist That you're hitting with is extremely important. That middle finger knuckle has got to be first. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, those two knuckles, right? Those two knuckles are the ones, yeah. Yeah, those two
1: knuckles, but most most likely the uh, the middle finger knuckle is is the
0: real one. Yeah, right here. This
1: is the one that you want to catch him with.
0: We, I will go back to Sonny because if I don't, it will confirm my point, which I wanted to discuss with you about. Yeah. You know that the little guys don't tend to command the purses or attention they might yeah. deserve just for the for the sheer yeah. accident of birth and genetics that makes them so relatively small. But before I do, uh, let me ask you then: since you start talking about punching power, uh, what was the sweetest shot you ever caught anybody with, as far as you're concerned?
1: Wow, the sweetest shot, um, boy. The- I'd never. uh, There's only one fighter that I really loaded up on, and I had just a clear path, and and I just drove that punch right through him. Was for the Canadian middleweight title. Was a kid named Wayne Caplet, and he just didn't get up. It was like he was shot. But that was that was really just like a clean, like it was just unobstructed. And and you know, so the obvious happened there. But probably oh i i tend to, you know the the problem with me like i i wasn't like a conscious fighter like i wasn't always like my intent wasn't always to wasn't always so pure and 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 i think that came a lot from not having the greatest amateur background there was no clarity in my style i was always i was always learning as i went along so yeah. so so i would have to say like the shot i caught iron barkley with i i
0: I knew even
1: though he backing up, even though I was backing up, I thought he wasn't gonna get up from that.
0: He I got thought up. you'd say that. That was that was my feeling if somebody asked me the question yeah. answer on yeah. your behalf. So Sonny, yeah, he he scored not a shutout, he was pushed hard by this tough, uh, hard punching Nicaraguan. Yeah. But Sonny is just so so defensively good and so instinctively good and so <laughs> slick and unorthodox, and he, he has that requisite amount of, of, of swagger, you know, and yeah, his dronics yeah. and they used to call it hot dogging back in the day yeah. in in the American yeah. circles. Yeah. And uh, Sonny wants the big fights. He wants he wants to fight Chocolatito. He wants to fight Estrada. Mm-hmm. He'd be interested in fighting uh, Bam Rodriguez, who is, I believe, is dropping down to flyweight. Mm-hmm. Sonny and he and he beat the the consensus number one flyweight in the world, right. uh, the African, when he won the IBF yeah. title. Yeah. After he's only had, uh, I believe it's twenty fights. It might be twenty one now, just about. But it, it's in that region. He's undefeated. And uh, he is a special talent. And if he, if he was um, anywhere near welterweight or, or similar, even 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 one hundred and thirty five pounds, I imagine a lot of people would be raving about him. Even you know, ben, is, to- is there
1: really any difference between a flyweight and a featherweight? I mean, is there really any difference? Like, Sometimes featherweights,
0: you don't ever. Can you name me a truly marketable megastar below one hundred twenty-six pounds? If you want to talk about featherweights, we had the likes of Sanchez or Prince Naseem Hamed, who's was at you. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not quite them in terms of greatness, of yeah. course. But well, or, you, you know, know, or Chavez. You yeah, know, yeah, um, but
1: but but even like Bazooka, uh, uh, Wilfredo Gomez was one nineteen. Lupe Pintor, Carlos Arate, all those guys—they came up from you know even Pacquiao started off in a lighter weight division. Of course, you got fame when you got the bigger names, but I think the issue is... The general public and and maybe even the, the the pundits of boxing, they don't understand the skills as much as, as possible. They don't understand like these guys going at 112 pounds, 106 pounds, incredible stamina, the rate in which, in which they work. And it's not like they have fat on their body they can, that they're burning the fat off. This yeah. muscle endurance that they have is just insane in
0: the country. Once again, do you feel it's an information and an education problem? I mean, I I know you've got a big... You have this big... Yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely. I mean, look at
0: you have this big conviction that the people who know better need to educate the audience in order to transform the the, the industry in a way that is more pleasing to yeah. someone who might consider yeah. themselves a diehard.
1: Yeah. So we can have more appreciation of the sport and the skills that go into it. I, I do believe people generally think boxing is the primi- primitive urge to punch somebody in the face. Every guy thinks he can box. Hence, you know, these celebrity boxers that are around here today. And yeah. they don't know, it's really, it's like a honed skill. It's repetition. It's, it's every single day getting up in the gym. It doesn't matter. You can go on on, on on social media and talk all sorts of stuff and bump your gums and get in there and get paid millions of dollars for it. Okay, that's one thing. But the real thing, no matter what, he, let's say even if this kid that's out there now, even if he, let's say he does, by some shot out there wins a world title let's just say. Yeah. But it's still not boxing like it's it's still not it's a guy who came into it by himself, worked his way through the amateurs, mm-hmm. worked everything like like the guy that's out there now has skipped a whole range of stuff to fight one guy that he's perfectly suited for for instance, right? Yeah. So the matchup is really tight. It's like I'm only going to fight guys that a matchmaker says I have the ability to beat. Yeah, that's it. it. But when you're fighting through the amateurs, you're fighting first of all. There's no setting up a, 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 an opponent as an amateur. You're fighting no. anybody and everybody, and it doesn't matter what their skill is, what their power is. And that kind of diversity that you're seeing gives you a, an advantage for the future as a pro. It teaches you that lesson. But uh, uh, fighting fighting guys like that in the amateurs, right? Is I mean that's hard. That's when you can really fight. And then when you move to the pros, yeah. they they start they start positioning you if you got a good promoter around you they get you good fights and fights where you're only going to look good and that's the whole problem with the world with the boxing world today uh, that you know guys are fighting only the guys that are going to make them look good and only the guys that are going to give them enough money And, and it's not they should take more tips from the amateur part of the sport and say you know what, this is going to be a good matchup. Like, this is the Golden Gloves or the Olympic Trials, and these are the two best fighters in the world, and they worked their way up. They beat A, B, C, D, and E to get here, and that's the way, you know, boxing should be.
0: I think we've said it a million times at this point, you know, like like minds have said, that we need reform, we need a league system, we need some universities we need some kind of degree of unilateralism you know i heard tommy
1: hearns is doing a a, a boxing league of some sort
0: tommy hearns is
1: tommy hearns yes i've
0: heard about that that's, that's oh yeah that.
1: yeah yeah he's got something under wraps it's coming out okay um, i forget the name of. i forget the name of it but i believe if you go to his site if you go to his pages um instagram page or maybe even facebook page he has you know the rumblings of something going on it's pretty exciting it's kind of interesting
0: I'm going to check out that as, uh, after we finish talking. Um, so, we take a dim view, it would seem, of the YouTuber culture and people who are trying to uh, kind of ride the coattails of boxing into a certain position of trajectory but with their, uh, you know, exhibitions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, how do we feel about a couple of... Uh, one one great fighter and one extremely good fighter in Marco Antonio Barrera and Ricky Hatton boxing an exhibition last night in Manchester... Uh, I was kind of upbeat about Hatton's involvement in it, certainly, because I see he was looking so glowingly fit and healthy. Yeah, yeah. On the scales, you can see he looks alive again because a lot of people's, you know yourself, for a lot of boxers, their life stops when they retire and they never really capture that that supreme definition of who they are ever again once it's all over, once once the cheering stops. Uh, So I think it's harmless. I I don't think... It's not something I'm interested in in any kind of cutting-edge sense, but I... I don't have a problem with Hatton and Barrera. i getting into the ring last night, and it, yeah. it seems like it did them both a world of good and provided some entertainment.
1: Well, well what happened? Because I, I did not see it. I, I understood Vicky if well,
0: They went the distance, obviously. I believe it was... I think it was eight rounds, you know. I think it was eight rounds. Yeah. But from what I heard, I only read one report, but I heard Hatton looked the sharper of the two. Yeah. And I think probably more up for him, probably trained harder.
1: Oh, that's sweet. I mean, it's great when you see, like... Fighters, when they have a purpose, like all that life comes back into their body. It's great because generally when fighters are finished, it's a sloppy story. It's it's never usually a a soft landing. Physically, I mean, they've dedicated and worked themselves so hard since, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years of age that they have to have some sort of mega ego to it in order to continue working out for no purpose. You know what I mean?
0: I think that's what it comes down to, you know, that you can't be bothered to train without that, without that sense of fear, without that sense of ambition and all the rest of it. And they just just can't be able to make the sacrifices. And obviously they tend to be. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see.
2: We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
0: Extreme kind of individuals, mm-hmm. fighters. You mm-hmm. know, that's why they're often prone to addiction, etc. You know, and depression yeah. and all kind of things like I that. Food addictions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly, you know. But um moving on, but on a similar theme, you've got Floyd Mayweather is having some kind of exhibition tonight, this evening, whichever time zone you happen to be in, this afternoon, in Dubai. Dubai. I did see something in a WhatsApp group I'm part of of ex-fighters that was saying that the thing's in doubt even, you know, even an hour before it's supposed to kick off the main event. I saw uh, that Tommy Fury, Tyson Fury's younger brother, who was due on the bill... Uh, he his fight fell through his sanctioned professional fight on the bill fell through because he was six pounds, six or seven pounds heavier than his opponent. I'm not sure what the contract weight is.
1: <laughs> he's a think. heavyweight,
0: right? Uh, he's, he's a cruiserweight, at least he's a cruiserweight, I believe. But I guess he, you know, he's probably a heavyweight on this particular occasion at the weigh in. Yeah, so um, if he's a heavyweight,
1: um, there's really no cap on a heavyweight, so six well,
0: pounds. Really but but, but if difference. he's a cruiser, I guess they had a contract weight. I, you know, what I didn't. I didn't take care to, to understand all the details because I didn't care. I just saw that he he was 6, 6.8 pounds heavier than his opponent, who was a guy called – I think I've already forgotten his name. I'm quite proud of that, the opponent. Yeah, but he, but he, he was heavier than just
1: more, wanted to make a little bit more money. His too.
0: name was Bamba. Bamba, um, And Bam. so he pulled out because he, he reckons that the contract had not been adhered to. So Tommy Fury now is boxing a six two-minute rounds exhibition against a guy called Rolly something or other. Um, which doesn't strike me as the most cutting-edge thing for a young man who's supposedly wants to be a professional boxer and wants to emulate the success or at least try and, you know, in any way kind of follow in the footsteps of his older brother. So... And you've got Floyd May with a top in the bill. We spoke about Floyd May with the last week, I believe. And, you know, yeah. the fact that he yeah. he has put himself in a, because he's orchestrated his boxing life so well, he's put himself in a position where he's able to make these kind of telephone number sums without taking any risks now. He doesn't, you know, he's not at the cutting edge uh, side of things anymore, sure. but he's still able to put on a show and still enjoy sure. it and sure. make millions of dollars for that. it. But that's what we've got right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't mind that. But uh, what what is interesting is everybody... It's kind of like eating the earth. The earth being boxing itself. The, yes, this, you know what I mean. The boxing world, like boxers, non-boxers, everyone's just eating it and using it and not giving anything back to it. And and that's cannibalizing. That's, yeah, yeah, they're they absolutely. That's a perfect word for it, Ben. They're cannibalizing the sport, and and we need to. Um, you know, everyone's taking their cuts and they're taking their thing and they're they're running out with it and they're leaving nothing left for the future. And that's, it's going to be a mess. I mean, so-
0: that's what Dana White, the UFC impresario, have said so many times. He says, in boxing, you don't invest in your sport. Yes. You, everything. He said, everything in boxing is like a going out of business sale. He said, that's the yeah. whole modus operandi.
1: <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah, everyone like smashes the window, runs in, grabs yeah. all, the, you know what I mean? Runs out yeah. and running down. It's my TV. It's my uh,
0: my fur coat. And, 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 and mutters something about, legacy, don't pay the bills on the way out. You know? <laughs> and that's it. Then I'll yeah. see the bigger picture. Um, one more current thing, you know. One more current thing about the boxing uh, situation today, politics, whatnot. Before we talk about something more interesting, I suspect um, Alexander Usyk has been ordered to fight, or is ordered to defend against his IBF mandatory flip Hergovic next time yeah. out. The IBF yeah. asked for immediate purse bids, which means yeah. even if he is able to negotiate a Tyson Fury fight for his next, for his next time out. Mm-hmm. he will have to drop the ibf strap which so i get the fact that some people say that doesn't matter and they might even be right you know that you know fuck the idea it's got to be an undisputed heavyweight title let's just get the number one and you know let's get the two best guys in the world um mm-hmm. together in the ring so that supremacy yeah. can be can be proven but for what it's worth he's been ordered it, it proves the point michael that even if we do get this you know this big coveted undisputed World Heavyweight Championship fight off the ground. It won't stay undisputed for long. And it would appear at this stage it won't even be an undisputed title fight because it looks like he may have to drop the belt. Mm -hmm. And they say if that happens, then um, Hergovic is likely to fight either Andy Ruiz or or Anthony Joshua Mm -hmm. for the vacant Mm -hmm. IBF belt. Um, Just your thoughts.
1: I I tend to think that... I mean, that's just always going to be... we have four recognizing belts, or is it four or five? I don't know what it is now. Four.
0: Oh, I'd still say it's four. I, I, don't, I can't um, accredit the IBO as being amongst the others. The, the yes. big four, have got, you, they're, they're much of a muchness, and you really can't say one is particularly yeah. more credible than the yeah. other one. It,
1: it, Yeah, I, I'd always thought the WBC, WBA, IBF, and now the WBO kind of came into it and is, and is stronger about it. I'd always been a little bit dubious about them as well, but...
0: I don't yeah. think we can be anymore because they've just yeah. had – if you look at their champions, certainly in this yes. century, they've yes. been as credible as the rest. They really have.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's why I'm saying now. So it's the four. Yeah. And um, I, I've been – I'm just like so speechless when it comes to that kind of stuff because, I, I mean, I know that um, fighters, I mean, look at – we love that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? To be recognized as world champion, you're just as legit, legitimate as the other guy. WBO, WBA, WBC, whatever it is. Um, the the belts do have a significance. They do mean something to a fighter when you win them and you're able to walk around the ring with that. It, it's sort of yeah. like um, it. it uh, I don't know. Kind of like. Yeah. I, I was a at a white collar
0: show last night, refereeing sixteen belts. So people were losing their minds when they're getting presented these plastic belts at the end of that. When yeah. they're calling them the such and such middleweight or light welterweight champion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're and they're, they're drunken idiot fans going crazy too. And really they. They've <laughs> well, won this is the thing: more. you
1: could pull the wool over the eyes of anybody if they don't know what the if they don't know the history and they don't know the the way in which boxing works or oh. the way in which it can work. Uh, people just again see it as. Two guys with the primitive version punch each other in the face. They go ahead and they're recognized by organization. They know nothing. They don't know the WBA and WBC are not even American, you know, or the IBF is. They don't know who the president is. They don't know who the, the they don't know the rules of the organization. You know what I mean? Like people understand the rules of, of baseball and the rules of Basketball, the rules of hockey, soccer, all the rest of that kind of stuff—they have no idea what the rules of boxing are. As simple as it is.
0: So, I take your point. Ultimately, I put something before you, which is just one, one very recent example of, of the the exasperating politics of professional boxing. And you're saying, "Well, hey, what do you expect?" And you know, and, yeah. and on it will go. And mm-hmm. maybe someday the world will be saved, or more likely, it won't, and that's the end of it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that, you know, boxing tends to cannibalize itself. But, um, you know, there there's some good things that can always happen. And when you have good fighters out there, that will always bring interest into the sport. It may be more of an individual thing. Like people start following individuals instead of the sport itself. We come from a time where it was the sport. It wasn't just a fighter. But now it's much more a personality-driven sport than, I think it, so. is, I- than it is a general you know,
0: sport. That's funny enough. That's what Peter McDonough, the guy, who was trying to get through to me earlier. Mm-hmm. Always says he said there's a difference between boxing fans and boxer fans. You know, yeah. when yeah. people back yeah. in a fight in particular. Um, yeah. I believe there was something else. Um, that you, that you had on your mind. Um, yeah, with, absolutely. You know, I wanted
1: to ask you. I was always interested. I wanted to find out more uh, about your influences in boxing because, like, why were I believe Sugar Ray Ali. Um, Michael Nunn and Hector Camacho were your favorite fighters. Oh, four,
0: absolutely. That's exactly
1: those four. four, right? Yeah. Why? Why those four? They kind of they they kind of um, segue really nicely one into the other. Is there a particular preference? Why you why you prefer those guys?
0: Well, well, to start with, I was four years old, five years old when I first became aware of Muhammad Ali. You know how larger than life he was. Sure. Uh, in the in the mid seventies. Yeah. My dad uh, liked boxing anyway because some of my earliest memories genu- genuinely are of him sparring with him with these little gloves on when and he'd be kneeling down and, and sparring back. Um, you know, funny enough, I actually cut him. I cut his eye once because I put a paper clip on my glove. Don't ask me why. No way. <laughs> i, was no, I, I was the original, Panama Lewis's I, I was the original Panama Lewis kind of yeah, prototype yeah. No, I, it was nothing. It was totally innocent. I, I just thought I don't know why I did it. it, it, it what, why would a five-year-old do that? But yeah, yeah. but he wondered why, because he was, you know, spying with me, expecting these kind of, you know, innocuous blows to land on him in this yeah. kind of affectionate bonding game. And next minute, there's claret flowing. And he was like, how the hell has that happened? He's got a paperclip on his glove. There was wow, no annoying that. Me.
1: But maybe, maybe it's human instinct. It's a basic nature, like, to make know, somebody bleed.
0: So, yeah. But, but so Ali was, was huge in those days. And I mm-hmm. swear to God, everybody on my street in the little kind of uh, like yeah. cul-de-sac that we you know the little estates that I was yeah. born into mm-hmm. wanted to be the Muhammad Ali or John Conte to put that in context yes. I lived in a place those in those early years up to the age of eight I lived in a place called Wallasey uh mm-hmm. pretty close to Liverpool so John Conte mm-hmm. was obviously a big a big hero yeah that part of the world and in Britain generally so everybody on every kid on my street seemed to have boxing gloves and they all wanted to be either John Conte or Muhammad Ali I yeah. wanted to be Ali because I thought Conte was cool but I loved Ali mm-hmm. and I also probably instinctively realized if, if we're doing that kind of your Conte and I'm Ali thing yeah uh, then I figured I had the advantage if I was going to be Ali because no <laughs> yeah. Conte. Conte was a heavyweight for his first 18 fights until Ali oh, actually really, really? yeah he was until Ali actually said to him get out of my division son but um so, so that was the natural one that I'd already tapped into Ali and, and he was everywhere and I'd get really excited when he came on the T V, whether he was yeah. selling milk or, or burgers sure. or whatever, or sure. you know, pest control spray. Yeah. And um and then Sugar Ray Leonard, when I started boxing at the age of ten, that was Perfectly in time for Sugar Leonard. The first fight I remember yeah. of Sugar Leonard was when he knocked out Dave Boy Green with that chilling combination oh, and that That's devastating true. left hook. So, Definitely. when I was old enough to start understanding what Ali was and and, and the kind of legacy that had fed into Sugar Leonard from Ali, mm-hmm. yes. Leonard was my guy. Ali was Leonard my guy. was the Leonard new was my Ali. Guy. Really. Leonard was unfolding in real time his prime when I was, yeah. when I was just yeah. getting into it and falling in love with boxing and becoming all yeah. about that way of life. Yeah. So, so, you had those two. And then when I, when Sugar Ray retired, pretty much soon after that, really in 1982, mm-hmm. we f- we know he flirted with the game in, in in a very high profile way for the next several years. Yeah. But uh, it was a, I suppose unconsciously it was a question of looking for heir appearance to to Sugar Ray Leonard and, mm-hmm. and passing that baton on. I thought Camacho was great because he was the Spanish Harlem street punk with the blazing. Yeah. Yeah. Fists and and the feet footwork of Fred is there, yeah. and I thought Michael Nunn was cool as hell. He looked like he was going to be enough because people were calling Donald Curry the new Sugar Ray Leonard, but I don't think they were particularly similar. Although the uh, Curry was fantastic, yeah, yeah, yeah. but obviously I think Michael Nunn, you could see the Leonardisms, the sugar, the sugar there. You know, mm-hmm. so, I mean, so I I was disappointed, you know, more than somewhat when he lost to James Tony because I. I mistook James for a relatively ordinary fighter. And I thought the next, you know, the next banner era kind of, the next yeah. kind of banner carry and star boxing potentially yeah. fallen when Michael Lund lost to him. Because I didn't yeah. recognise James Tony's greatness at the time. Yeah. But that is where they came from, to be honest with you. And when I was in my teens and even in my early 20s, I kind of dismissed a fighter if he didn't look good on, 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 you know, in aesthetics. If he couldn't move and he didn't have that swagger, I kind of dismissed the good fighter's just because they didn't fit that prototype, which I was all about. I mean, I'm a bit more varied in my appreciation these days. I'll give you an example. I thought Oscar De La Hoya looked like he had two left feet and didn't look like all that to me when when yeah. he first exploded on the scene, you know, when uh-huh. I was probably in my 30s. Yeah. It took me a while to understand that it wasn't all about, you know, kind of Michael Nunn, Chagoy, Leonard, Muhammad Ali, etc. cetera. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah right. I mean, I, you know, I, I, did like a, I did like a certain Liverpool-born, you know, Canadian raised, uh, um, oh,
1: you don't popular. have to do that. Oh, no.
0: we well, see. But me and my dad were always mm. looking for fighters who, who were in that kind of vanguard because he was exactly the same. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, once you came around, the fact you were articulate didn't do you any harm in our household mm-hmm. either. Um, particularly okay. KO magazine put an interview out and said, This might be the first KO interview that you might need a dictionary to hand while you read it. They actually said <laughs> that, so um, yeah. yeah, and uh, yeah. so obviously, you were. You, you ticked all the boxes back then for our, the yeah. whole kind of doughty
1: yeah.
0: ethos towards you know looking for favorite fighters you know yeah. but but it looked like you didn't it, it, as fate had it you didn't quite have the legs yeah. to facilitate our dreams mm-hmm. to the level that we wanted for you you know
1: I get it I totally get it absolutely <laughs> that's really interesting but I love I love seeing like because fight styles our fight person, our, our personalities, you know what I mean? The way I look at boxers, like the way a person fights is the way they think, is the way they, like, they're wearing their minds on the outside when they box. Yeah. And so when an individual, and you, your style yourself, you you know what I mean? You carry that same kind of flashiness and you, and you go about the things the same way. You know, you're quick, fast-handed, you're a thinker in the ring, you got good foot movement, balance, all the rest of that kind of stuff. So it's... Um, it's uh, safe to assume that you're as highly intelligent outside the ring as inside.
0: Hopefully, but I, I think we can all be stupid in a certain context, can't we? <laughs> I think we're all capable of being pretty dumb in the wrong oh, yeah. context outside of our comfort zone. You know. Yeah. But um, you you were talking about fighters reflecting their personalities. Yes. Um, Mike Tyson said that when, when Mike Tyson was coming up when I was 16 years old. Yeah. And he was when he was a contender, but he was yeah. he was setting the division alight. And even everybody was talking about him in the pre-internet uh, era. Sure. He said that he felt that a good fighter's style in the ring was the su- the, the supreme kind of reflection, a mirror of his personality and his nature. Right. And, that, yeah. and the example he gave is he said, everybody says Camacho fights like Pep. He said, "I don't think so. They're two completely different individuals." Uh And I thought that was an interesting. As soon as Tyson came around, I thought he was very arresting in his eloquence and his interest and and the depth that he had. And I never could understand it when people dismissed Tyson as some kind of monosyllabic brute that -hmm. had everything to do with stereotypes and nothing to do with intelligence or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, they didn't understand Mike's style, for instance. Mike's style was an extremely complex style. Mike Tyson's style was an extremely complex style. I mean. He, he followed the pattern that was given to him so tightly that I almost thought it could have been um, detrimental to him at some point. Because, because okay, so here's Mike. He's, he's got all these physical attributes that other fighters don't have. He's got speed. He's got dexterity. He's got head movement. He's got defense. He's got power. Um, he's got fight intelligence. He's got all these things. And, Did he
0: have fight intelligence or was he just supremely or, uh, drilled?
1: I, well, that's the thing. He did have – he was extremely drilled, and he did have fight intelligence, but he wasn't I, – I almost believe – I can't say I know for sure. Obviously, I'm not in Mike's camp, and I never have been. We knew each other when we were fighting, and that was it. But from looking at him, it's almost like – he was taught to fight a certain style and was never allowed outside of that style. Oh, and because absolutely. he wasn't allowed outside of that style, when it came down to fights where it really got down to like, you're, you're in the um, you're in the pit, you're on the inside with a person. You have to, you no longer is it about um, the, you know, the one, throw the one, five, six, seven. It's no longer about that. now you're relying on your instincts in terms of fight. And they didn't allow him an ability to develop his instincts.
0: And it's that, and that is guy. why he looked like a robot that malfunctioned when, you know, on those rare occasions when he found himself in those deep waters that he couldn't, that he couldn't swim in, you know, yeah. because yeah. the thing about um
1: and look, Ben, and this is, I and mean, you're talking about a guy, this kid, Mike Tyson, is one of the most physically gifted individuals that you could get in the, the ring. Like his, his mind was perfectly in tune for fighting. His body was absolutely perfect for boxing. Like, it was brutal. He took a great shot. I mean, he got hit with it some did. hammers by a lot of guys and he took great a great shot. He he could punch hard with any hand, any punch. I mean...
0: And it's the way he put them together. And, you know... And, yeah. I, and I mean, his it speed and everything. It was a new... It was a unique style. You talk about his style was complex and, and more more complex than people realize. Mm-hmm. It was a unique style. And when, yes. I, when I first saw Mark Tyson, I don't know what the first Mark Tyson fight you saw was. For me... Mm-hmm. It was Mitch Green, because um, that was the mm-hmm. first one that was on British television, um, yeah. ITV. Okay. And the thing that was interesting to me about that, because I, he had 19 strike KOs before he went the distance with James Tillis. Yes. And then he went the distance again in his very next fight with yeah. Mitch Blood Green. Now, yes. reading about that in boxing news, it was a little bit kind of, um, it kind of checked the, the, the euphoria and the excitement yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit. You're like, oh, is he is he starting the plateau now? He's gone the distance twice because you're expecting ko's, you know, yeah. when mm-hmm. he keeps scoring them yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so so quickly. Um, and I remember being a bit disappointed. I didn't mind him going the distance once with tennis, but when he went the distance with this is my kind of you know 16 year old filter at the time. When he went the distance with Mitch Green, I thought, mm, you know what, I don't know about this. But then when I saw it on ITV World of Sport the yeah. noon. I was really excited because I thought it was a unique. I didn't mind that he'd gone the distance. It was great to see 10 rounds with him. And mm-hmm. as soon as my dad called me up, obviously, there's only one thing he was going to wanted to talk about. And I knew that because yeah. it literally broadcast had just finished. Yeah. And I said, Tyson is the man. He said, Yes, absolutely. You know, and he was mm-hmm. saying, who would you compare him to? And I said, well, nobody. He said, no, he's Mike Tyson the first, isn't he? We haven't seen <laughs> him before, you know. So yeah. he was a unique son. He was a phenomenon. I I get fed up of the myopia of some of his more lunatic fringe friends because they have no objectivity whatsoever. Yeah, but, yeah. But he was very, very special all the same. Yeah, he
1: was very special. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, like, life tests you in so many ways that you're not, um, you're not prepared for. You know what I mean? And... Um, yeah. and he was absolutely perfectly cultured for what he did and he he had all the ingredients to be that special person it's just that you know unfortunately it never happened in certain people life will always test you it doesn't matter what you want to do what you want to accomplish there's always going to be a, there's always going to be a test
0: i mean he achieved a hell of a lot of course you know i mean he was yeah. people keep talking about how he was the youngest version holder of a world heavyweight championship mm-hmm. in history he was if you believe he became the undisputed champion versus Tony Tucker when he had all three belts, then he yeah. was also the youngest. Under, he was also the youngest ever champion by nobody because he was slightly younger than Patterson when he first beat R.G. Moore for the Bacon title back in. Listen, um, uh,
1: was 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 Ali not younger when he beat Liston?
0: He was twenty-two and a bit when he beat Sonny Liston, February twenty-fifth, nineteen sixty-four. Okay. Um, so no, um, so he was. You know, uh, some people let Mike, uh, Michael like to hold out and they say no. As far as I'm concerned, he wasn't the world heavyweight champion until he beat Michael Spinks. But I just don't—I just didn't feel that way at the time, and I still don't. Mm-hmm. The way I felt was Spinks had abdicated the title because he didn't want to fight anybody mm-hmm. except for guys like Tang San and a washed-up Cooney, etc. And I just wasn't buying that Michael Spinks was the was the 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 genuine heavyweight champion of the world or you know people say mm-hmm. that word lineal champ yeah. as far as I was concerned Tyson entered the HBO tournament mm-hmm. he was a wild card late addition to the HBO tournament mm-hmm. by the way because his, his, his rise was so meteoric it was happening so quickly he came in as an afterthought Spinks opted not to enter the tournament and I just saw this young dynamo the Brooklyn bomber had cleaned up and won all the belts and I just mm-hmm. thought he was the rightful champion certainly after yeah. he Tony Tucker yeah. and I figured Michael Spinks was coming into that fight in, in June 1988 as the challenger yeah. he came into the ring first like a challenger does and I think
1: everybody saw it that way. Did did you have that perspective? Well, I, I know that uh, – well, for instance, the Tony Tucker fight, I thought that was going to be – I thought that was going to be a, a very competitive fight. I, I thought that was – you know, at that point, that was a tough fight for anybody. Tony Tucker was a yeah. big, intelligent, smart, gifted fighter. Uh, he wasn't able to get off on his punches. You know, what what's interesting is it, it would be – what would be beautiful is to talk to these kinds of fighters and get like, what were they thinking going into the fight? You know what I mean? Like for instance, um, Tony Tubbs, who was another incredibly talented fighter. Yeah. I mean, people don't understand. They look at him and they say oh, Tony Tubbs and he was chubby and this, that and the other. Right. This guy here was, was uh, one of the top amateur boxers in, in, in the United States in the world, actually. um and and he was so incredibly gifted as a fighter and i might got him out and got him out quick
0: sorry two rounds in tokyo right?
1: man two rounds in tokyo and that's just insane i mean because to impress your will and your physical will on somebody that has that kind of fight knowledge fight ability and to get them out of the ring in two minutes just like that is really saying something about your ability um yeah, but, but Tony Tubbs, uh, I mean, being able to speak with him and find out where his mind was at during that fight, what was going into it, were there any distractions going into it, were there any physical, uh, you know, um, issues going into the fight. All that kind of stuff is interesting to me.
0: We we have to say we can get him on the show because I would be fascinated to talk to Tony Tubbs because the thing yeah. is... As much as the gloss never wears off for me talking to people like Tim Witherspoon and yourself, but in a heavyweight context, Tim Witherspoon, he's kind of a friend of mine. We've met yes. several times in the real world. He even did my corner for a boxing exhibition five years ago and Tim did my um, corner, which was kind of yeah. special. But So Tim's great. But inevitably, guys that you haven't spoken to and haven't been seen for many years and haven't put their head up above the parapet in this yeah, era, yeah. They, there is more mystique and more fascination around them. Yeah, like it's yeah. Donald Curry is obviously another one. You know, who's, yeah,
1: um, no, he'd be great. There, there's some really interesting individuals to speak to out there. I mean, boy, I can't even, I, I can't even begin to, <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there's I some really interesting fighters. A lot of them aren't in the best way right now because, you know, boxing is a very abusive sport. Yeah. So, so having that clarity uh, with conversation might be a little bit testing. But I don't think Tony Tubbs has that issue.
0: No, I, I believe he's doing okay. I'm going to ask Tim um, with the spoon how, how yeah. he's doing, if he has any more leads about that, because Tim has long been an advocate that these guys should be more involved in the sport today and they should yeah. have roles. Coaching is obviously the obvious one think of, yeah. but... He's saying that they're not being used after all the services they've paid. They're not being utilized as yeah. as, as, as as well as they could be, you know. Um, yeah. And, and Tony, and Tucker, no, very, yeah. T- Tony Tucker, Tony I sat next to him at a Frank Bruno dinner back in 2016. Yeah. And he's very um, and articulate, and but and, and a charming yeah. fella. So yeah. it would be interesting to. It would be great to get him on something like this, you know, if he if he's still about. I didn't yeah. really. I suspect I didn't really press the advantage I had sitting next to him for a whole evening, sure. as, much, as much as I should have done. It's but kinda, sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't want to bother these guys all the time and, yeah. and not treat them as just a, an ordinary, you know, a human being when you're sitting next to them at the dinner table. I was right. a bit mindful sometimes of not being like, okay, this is Ben Davies going live right now on yeah. Instagram. When anybody sits anywhere near me, you know what I mean? You, yeah. you have to be careful with that.
1: Well, now, what about Frank Bruno? What about him? Yeah. Do you do you um uh, can you get in contact with him?
0: Sure, absolutely. I mean I don't know think with Frank, right? I did an yeah. evening with Frank Bruno in two thousand sixteen as well.
1: Yeah. Um He'd be an interesting conversation.
0: He was good value. It was interesting because I didn't do a very celebratory interview. I focused a lot on his losses. Mm-hmm. I admitted that I never liked him when I when I, when I was growing up, <laughs> oh my God. You weren't <laughs> in
1: the same room, were you?
0: Yeah, it's, you you hear, you hear me mention my dad a lot because he was obviously had a big influence on my kind of love for boxing, and sure. um, we, we we were anti Bruno, and I told him that, but I made it kind of cute. I said, "This is a public apology to Frank Bruno for all his years of rooting against you," <laughs> and he he actually liked it, and he at the end of the night he was like, "Thank you for being so honest," because he he is a lovely guy, Frank, sure. and he is a lot more intelligent than the wooden persona that was that was kind of. Yeah. Pushed on on certainly on British TV screens. His dignity and intelligence is way in excess of the way he was his public persona and the way he was portrayed in his heyday, selling HP Sauce and all that. Some people accused him, you know, in in Britain of being the Uncle Tom type figure, you Uh know, and kind of white media puppet. That's all very unfair. Frank is a really good guy. And he.
1: Well, um, Well, the thing is, when you know, when people make those kinds of statements about a black man in. In uh, a white world, for instance, yeah. One of the things I always have to say is, he's wearing the team jersey. You know what I mean? There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He's always we know what team this guy is always going to be playing on, basically. Because as much as as much as they accept him a little bit, he's not going to be accepted 100. percent Like he will be. In you his, know, his skin.
0: getting back to Mike Tyson, he said that's how he felt. If you t- talk to most people. Mm-hmm particularly big Mike Tyson buffs, they will say yeah. the best team he ever had, obviously, never mind even, okay, Cus passed away quite early. A lot of people don't realise mm-hmm. quite, people don't realise how early Cus died in the yeah, Mike Tyson yeah. story. No, career, that yeah. in November 1985, when he'd only yeah. been a pro for a matter of months. Uh, most people, they have this perception, he died when Mike was on top of the world, and that's when... <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, but the, he didn't and, have
1: the world title yet, he died.
0: For sure. So let's talk about, you know, Kate and and jacobs and, and steve lott even who was, was yes. a big part of team tyson and was a lovely yeah. fellow charming interesting yeah. guy to talk to before he sadly passed away a couple of years ago yeah. so most people said that was the best team that mike tyson had before you know the devil incarnate with the shock hair got hold of him <laughs> and that bitch you know that that that, that yeah. beguiling, attractive but devil woman mm-hmm. and they all ruined him and all the rest of it whereas what Mike says, because people say, you know, Kate and Jacobs cared about him. They 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 were savvy businessmen. They had him set up for life. They had tra- mm-hmm. trust funds. They had investments, mm-hmm. and they had that covered. He wasn't going to go broke, and he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna run himself to rack and ruin in the way that played out with King. You know, with his.
1: guy. So with his as well.
0: But what Mike says in his book is he felt like a fake and. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, "I felt like some fucking fake Uncle Tom," and then he yeah. used an N word. Um, yeah, yeah. When he was with those guys, he said he yeah. felt it was disingenuous. It was disingenuous yes. to his hood roots, yeah. and he still felt he was being exploited. That is what, in undisputed truth, his autobiography, which is a, is a pretty gripping read. Yeah. He he doesn't go along with the idea that Jacobs and Kate were the best for him. He says that he felt like it wasn't real, and he was being puppeted back then. God um,
1: mm-hmm. figure. Wow. <sighs> I mean, it's his perspective and no one knows his life like him and he's talking about his feelings and that's how he feels. So those are undisputed. Um, I know that from from my perspective of, of trying to make it in a fight world and, you know, being upwardly, you know, going that way towards the title that it, color of an individual, it really it, honestly, it really doesn't matter because you'll have somebody who is, could even be your blood relative taking advantage of you. Uh, someone yeah. who's, you know what I mean? Uh, they, of course, they want to package you so you're saleable. So they're saying, listen, don't do this because we want to package you for this and they're not going to touch you with. I mean, could you imagine the kind of money Mike would have made if, if um, he remained commercially viable? Well, yes,
0: because when he was with that old team, he had yes. endorsements from uh, Pepsi Cola.
2: Pepsi I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply. Oh, it's
1: of- just insane. Like, the kind of money that he could have made would would I mean, probably dwarf uh, Mayweather right now. <laughs> you know yes, I
0: mean? For sure, because he's still a heavyweight, and he's much more excited than Floyd Mayweather always ever, ever could be. But yes. um, And that's the thing. By the time he became this kind of, you know, saleable freak show, he didn't have one endorsement going anywhere near him. He, yes. he was just it would have been a joke to have suggested that you could use Mike Tyson to sell any product in America or anywhere yeah. else. You know? yeah. So this is the... Um, w- what people also say, though, because it when he first came along in that in that incarnation that I spoke of, when he was saying interesting things in, in KO Magazine interviews about fighters and their personalities and Willie Pepper next Camacho, he seemed flawless then and perfect. And when he came to Britain, he was on British television and he was charming to Harry Carpenter, he was charming to Des Lynham, and butter would not have melted in his mouth but mm-hmm. what people who knew the story a little bit more intimately said was he was always edgy, you know, always had a problem with women. There was always that element of a sexual predator and the really, you know, kind of down and dirty hood guy. But mm-hmm. they covered it up. Well, they've managed to create yeah. this media yeah. persona. Yeah. I do remember early uh, rumblings in KO Magazine that he, was, uh, he had been associated... I don't know if he'd been arrested. It was more that like he'd been accused of making lewd, obscene remarks to women in shopping malls and things like that kind of thing. And I, and people said he was always that ticking time bomb, but they, they were trying to keep the public from that mm-hmm. particular truth for as long as they possibly could, mm-hmm. and trying to keep him busy in the gym, sure. fighting sure. back in the gym, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, So
1: he's even busy and that'll mind is the devil's playground, sure.
0: You know what I mean? Well, for sure, it's it's been it's well documented that fighters don't handle inactivity well.
1: Yeah, not It's so easy to get in trouble as a fighter if you're not fighting. It is absolutely it's just because of the nature of who you are. Like,
0: were you ever a party guy?
1: To- I wasn't a party guy. Um, I could find I could find trouble in other ways though, like just Kids? just basically just dumb kid stuff. You know what I mean? Like I, I, remember, um, I remember a friend of mine, and this is totally unrelated really, but uh, he had a gun, like an air gun, uh, a BB gun like this. And, that. and I remember um, putting up, uh, I lived in an apartment, we lived on the third floor, and behind us there was nothing. There was a street and a highway and businesses across that, and I put a poster up, it's just like, you just don't think because you're just an all physical or i was just really that stupid i put a yeah. poster up i'm inside my room i'm inside the living room and i'm shooting through the patio window at the poster it was a ko poster i forget who it was <laughs> and, um, and, and i was shooting at it and trying to hit the bullseye you know what i mean
2: Yeah.
1: it was just innocent i'm just like pop 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 like this and then I get up because I I'm finished, and I and there are policemen going up and down the alley and coming all combing all over the place, and I'm like, what's the issue here? And one of the cops looks up to me and he goes, do you see anybody running around here shooting stuff like this? Because they were hitting, I was hitting, I ended up hitting like across a parking lot, across the four lane highway. I was hitting a a glass shop, the window, and they thought they were being shot at by somebody, and they were taking cover. It's just – so eventually the cops figured out it was me from the trajectory of where the bullets were. And they came to my door, knocked on the door. They opened it. I opened it up. They go, where's the gun, Michael? Like this. And I was just like, oh, they got me. I just admitted to it. I went to the closet. I showed them where it was. And they were like, don't pick it up. Don't touch it. And they you know, they took it, and that was it. And you're in trouble. And this that. and I was, I was young. I was a fighter. And this is just kind of like the mentality is like everything is about yourself. It's about yeah. – there isn't really much consideration of anyone outside of yourself when you're a fighter and you're really in it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I remember Jose Torres saying you had to be a fucking narcissist to be a fighter or he's saying that I had to be and that that was genuinely what you had to be. In most cases,
1: I absolutely 100% believe in that. I know that I could have been more of a narcissist and it would have helped me. That's for sure because you don't consider when you're a narcissistic, you don't really consider anybody. It's always about you.
0: I, I've said it before, but you do seem to have this rather unique hybrid of of what should be kind of narcissism mixed with this real humble kind of vibe. It's, it's strange. It's like you. That you, you're supposed to be almost like a show off, but but there's something mm-hmm. about you're really not showing off. You are just being you. I think,
1: and therein could be the reason why I didn't like a centre. I mean, oh, you're
0: sitting there well, wearing a pink I'm eye patch, but still, you don't come across Jorge <laughs> Payas. You know, Is this
1: pink? I'm colour blind. I thought it was. I, I thought it was red. I thought it
0: matched. No, it looks. You know what? It looks pink on with this with the filter <laughs> of the light. It, it may be red in reality. No, as it's, as, it's pink. As far as I as far as our relatively small audience is concerned i think it's probably pink i suspect
1: yeah i'm sure it is
0: but um okay we we, we've got we've gone for about 50 minutes at this point um looking ahead a a quick update on the connor Ben situation i believe Mm. the hearing is underway right now eddie Hearn alluded to the fact it was underway has already started that's with UKAD, I think, um, which yeah. is the anti-doping authority recognised by the British Boxing Board of Control. And Eddie is talking. I mean, he does appear to have distanced himself from the situation to a degree, and he's he's saying, "Listen, if it's going to be a ban, let's get on with it. Let's get it, you know." And he, he he's talking like someone who's resigned himself to the fight of getting a ban. Um, and mm. it, if that if that is the case, then I suppose. Pretty soon we should find out how long that ban will be, and whether it will yeah. be whether it will be like a nonsense, you know, and an insult to the yeah. intelligence of anybody who wants to see yeah. justice done, or yeah. whether or whether it will be something more career-threatening, you know, and, and more damaging. I, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know. Um, Dylan White got a two-year ban, you know, way back in the day. Way back, I in the didn't day. know that he he did, Michael. But before he was really climbing the ranks, when he was just a vaunted prospect, mm-hmm. he be, he'd been a pro, I believe it was less than two years, and he got a two-year ban. Mm-hmm for he said I can't remember what the I can't remember what the chemical was called the banned substance Mm -hmm. off the top of my head but I do know that he blamed it on an over-the-counter sports supplement drink called Jack 3D um he did yeah um and he he, but you know what he did the best thing you could do he used that two years as a sparring partner he sparred with the Klitschkos he sparred with Fury Um, and he got as much he got at least as good experience from the sparring on the road and and paid by the way decent money I made yeah. Uh, than he'd likely have got from the fights he'd have had in that two-year period. Right. Yeah, absolutely. He, he stayed on it, and that, that's what he did, you know. So that's I wise. mentioned that because it's an example of how a fighter, you know, a young up-and-coming fighter can use a band in the most uh, fruitful yeah. way if they have yeah. to have one, you know. Yeah. Dylan mm-hmm. did have another drug um, controversy later in his career after he beat Oscar Rivas at the O2. He... It, it came to light that he tested positive for uh, Diana Bolt, which is an, I believe is a really old-school kind of 1917 mm-hmm. bodybuilding steroid. Uh-huh. But he was exonerated eventually. It was a bit fudged. The lines of the whole case were a bit fudged, but the, the bottom line was he was exonerated, and on he went, and you know you know the rest, and you know how the story yeah. played out so far. honor yeah. Ben, will, we will see, you know. Um,
1: yeah. It, that, that's... Yeah, what do you... You know... I would never thought boxing would be the kind of sport where that would be an issue, uh, where you know, enhanced performance enhancing. You syndromes.
0: thought that being a, the preserve of athletics. I, I
1: just thought I just thought that it would never be an issue in boxing because boxers have that kind of mutual respect for one another that they would never just never do that. Only because the 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 level of violence and the level of destruction that's caused in a fight is something that. First of all, getting to a fight without an injury is a feat unto itself, right? With all the sparring, you're preparing two, three months for a fight and all the punches that are coming at you and all the things you're doing. Getting into a fight without an injury, getting to the fight without an injury is absolutely like it's if you can do that, you're you're among the blessed ones. When you actually get into the fight. I mean, you're getting hit. With a person, by a person who who's uh, who's trained so hard that it, he surpasses the normal power that you'd feel in 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 a, in a in, with a human being punching you, and yeah. and your and your body the way it reacts and the way it's able to absorb punishment under when it's under that kind of stress when it's it is something interesting and something that should be looked at as well. But after the fight, you feel. Every single punch, when your adrenaline comes down and you know yeah, that you're no longer in battle, you feel every single thing, and 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 to, for that every single thing to be somebody else's anabolic steroid enhanced punch, I don't know. I just I just like to think of better of people that they wouldn't do something like that. You're not hitting a cricket ball or a baseball or throwing a football, you know what I mean, or or hitting a tennis ball.
0: And, and ultimately, I think we can agree. Regardless of the of the particular merits of the Conor Ben case or any other individual case, there are too many of them for it, for them all to be innocent and for it all to be a terrible mistake. I think yeah. that we know. So, um, like I say, we'll we'll see how that story plays out. I have yeah. a feeling that he won't get off scot free and it won't be something that has the the committed fans all up in arms that this is all corrupt, you know, Mm -hmm. like the guy that get the guilty guy that gets off because he can afford a good lawyer. I think, (laughs) I think a relative example might be made of him. That's my my instinct uh, on this Mm -hmm. one. Um, but no doubt, um, you know, when when, when more details emerge, we can discuss that subsequent shows. Um, in closing, it was a good show last week where we got Michael on, I I thought was really good. I know that you've you've got a few ideas of who you'd like to have on. Maybe you, I know you'd like to maybe talk to Michael Nunn on here pretty soon. Oh
1: man, I'd love to speak to Michael Nunn. Michael Nunn's such, you um, know, he's an incredible fighter, as you well know. He's one of your favorite guys. Yeah. Um, he he had an exceptional amateur career as long, as well as you know a very colorful amateur career as well as a very uh, you know effective obviously. He was the nineteen
0: eighty four alternate for Virgil Hill.
1: Exactly. Yes, and um, and Virgil went on to win a gold or silver. Was it silver?
0: He won silver. He lost yeah. to the... Um, I think he lost to... The German? Uh, maybe. The German? I thought it might have been a Korean, but I could, I, I may have falsely remembered that. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it I, was a
1: German remember, who actually beat. Sorry?
0: Because, because they had nine gold medals at that particular Olympiad in mm-hmm. LA, the, the, you know the, yeah. the American team. Yeah. I remember him downplaying the importance of a gold medal the way that the kid who didn't get what they wanted for Christmas might do. Mm-hmm. when he said, you know, right now the Olympics is the big deal, but he said, but in six months' time, they'll be asking who won. But, yeah. you know, he took that philosophy of, you know, d- dust yourself off and go again, because he didn't let it affect his trajectory as a professional yeah. boxer, did he? Yeah. And he? And he certainly achieved a great deal no. uh, a pro, you know, whereas yeah. a guy like Jerry Page, who did win the, like, welterweight gold medal that year, you never heard of Jerry Page again, did you? Never.
1: Yeah, never did. And, and i'd like I to talk
0: to him i'd like to talk to jerry page on this show oh yeah that's
1: that's there's some really great individuals out there we got to speak to ben and michael nunn is really interesting because he's very clear of thought he's had such an exciting exciting life yeah. outside of boxing and um uh, he's somebody that you know he's very colorful uh, uh you know he's He's very clear in what he says and what he wants, what he means, and and I, I think we can get I think we can get down with this with this interview. This is going to be real cool.
0: Okay, watch this space for that one. This has been another episode of Sugar and Silk. I'd like to remind people that this is exclusively viewable on Ace Podcast Nation Live. You can catch up on Spotify tomorrow. I'll post a link on my social media. Michael might do the same. You can become a member of Ace Podcast Nation uh, on Patreon if you would like to help. This fantastic innovation and uh, facilitate more shows like this one. From me, that's good night. I'll let Michael close. It.
1: Silk out.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network. 18 plus.